Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Say good morning again to you, everyone, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. Hey, can we do this like we do every Sunday? And can we welcome our online podcast family? Come on, put your hands together for those who are online. Woo! Awesome. Yeah, we know many of you are unable to join us today physically, but we want to tell you how much we love you, and we are so thankful that you would take some time out of your week to join us online on our podcast. Hey, listen, we're in a series called This Is That, but before we jump into that, I just want to take a moment and introduce my lovely wife, everybody. This is Linda Barden, everyone. Can you put your hands together for my wife this morning? Okay. So what you're experiencing right now, maybe if you're our guest today, is something uh, new. We don't do this every week. Actually, this is something that actually happens about once a year. It's kind of like Haley's Comet. You you have to catch it when it happens, right? And uh, so if you were with us last week, um, I had my wife up here, and she was speaking to the kids and the team, and we were just welcoming everybody back to our in-person gatherings. Um, But if you didn't notice this, Mother's Day, everybody, I know it's Father's Day. We're going to honor you fathers here in a second, okay? But Mother's Day happened when we were on this tight restriction, couldn't meet, it was all online. And typically what happens at Mother's Day is that my wife, uh, God bless her, man, she's amazing. I'm telling you, when you hear her speak, you're going to want me to sit down and let her continue to talk. It's, it's that amazing, that anointed. Um, people give their heart to Jesus left and right. It's incredible. Um, but she typically comes up at Mother's Day and has a word for the ladies. And so since we missed that, um, she lovingly asked me if she would be able to speak to the dads in the room. And uh, no, that's, if you, if you know, I'm kidding. No, I actually asked her, okay? Um, and she was like, absolutely. I really do feel like God's given me a word. And so we're gonna take this first five minutes and just let Linda speak to some dads in the room today, if that's okay. All right, Linda, I love you. Yeah. Good morning. Well, every time I think of dads, you know you think of dad jokes and dad-isms, the things that your dad, well, when I grew up, my dad said this, so I thought I'd share a couple of those. First, when I was growing up, uh, you know, if there's attitude issues, my dad would remind me that not to get too big for my britches. If I wanted yep. to go to the movies, remember, money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, you've oh, yeah. heard that one too. <laughs> okay. Uh, anytime you leave a room, turn off the lights, because I'm paying the electric bill. Okay. Uh, Oh, the big one, especially growing up in Texas, close the door, you're letting the bot air out. You've already paid for air conditioning, don't let it go. And when it came to choosing friends, if you lie down with dogs, you'll get up with fleas. (laughs) Yeah, he was a country boy. But honestly, whenever you think of what dads say, dads say things, and it's very important, the words that you speak over your family and your children. So if we look at God as our ultimate father, we can find his example of what to say to our kids in Matthew 3.17. This is where Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And from that one little sentence, we can take three really big uh, principles. Number one, this is my son. Let's acknowledge our children. You're mine. You belong to me. Number two, 
show affection. Tell your kids daily, I love you. I love you. And number three, affirm your children. I'm proud of you. Maybe not all the decisions that we make, but as a person, I am proud of you. These three things are the, are the very last things that Max hears every night before he goes to sleep. You're my son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And I know that, especially if you have grown children, um, it might feel like it's too late to start, but it's never too late to tell someone that you belong to them, that you love them, and that you're proud of them. And you don't have to be a physical father to find someone in your world that needs to hear, I see you, I love you, and I'm proud of you. So whether you're a physical father, an adoptive father, a bonus dad, or a spiritual father, whatever fatherhood looks like in your life, ask God to show you the people in your world who needs me to see them, who needs me to say that I love them, and who needs me to say that I'm proud of them. So that's what I had this morning for you. And um, I was going to pray real quick and then talk about the dad's gift. Is that okay? Okay. Well, God, I thank you for every man sitting in this room. God, I thank you that you have called them, that you have pointed them to be exactly who they are in this world. Lord, I thank you that as their father, you claim them, you love them, and you are proud of them. And God, I pray for wisdom in their hearts, Lord, as they lead their families, as they guide their households and they raise their children. Lord, I pray for the wisdom of heaven to be in their hearts today, God. And Lord, I pray that their eyes would be opened not only to their biological kids, their adopted kids, or their spiritual kids, but to everybody around them, God, that they could maybe take help take a step closer to you. So Lord, I pray today as they walk away, they will remember to acknowledge, to show affection, and to affirm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We do have a small gift for you today. It's online because everything right now is online. There's an online connection card. And we would love the opportunity to send you a gift card. You can choose if you want it to Home Depot, because man world. Yeah, yeah, Home Depot. <laughs> or to Starbucks, because I know you like coffee. So just be sure to, send, to fill out that online connection card, and we'll make sure that you get your gift real soon. Awesome, awesome. And see, this is why she needs to speak more often. Amen, everybody. Come on, put your hands together for my wife. I love you, babe. All right. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Turn to your other choice and say is. You turn back to the other neighbor and say that. <laughs> That's not awkward at all, is it, everybody? Hey, on that online connection card, go to olc.church, olc.church. Um, it is very simple to do, olc.church. Actually, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pull that up on your phone anyway because we're a message note-taking church, and all our message notes now are online. They're online, and so here's the benefit of that because you can actually fill in the blanks on your phone and send it an email to you. You can save it as a PDF. You can do all kind of really cool things from it. So go to olc.church on your smartphone. Hit the button that says connection card. Click the gift that you want to receive, dudes. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Hey, and if you're a Lowe's fan in here, let me, let me tell you, Home Depot sells the same product, okay? It's five bucks. Don't get your feelings hurt, all right? It's not Lowe's. It's Home Depot, all right? It's all good. Go orange. Come on. All right? And so, uh, but click that, but then click the message notes. Pull those on your phone. Get ready to follow along. All right, so for time's sake, I want to really do my best to have you out of here right at 11 o'clock. So I want to just jump in to our message today. So we're going to look at our theme verse that comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 12 through 15. And this is our theme verse. And to set it up, so uh, Jesus comes to earth, 
He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross to pay for our sins. He is risen on the third day. After that third day, you would think he's in heaven, right? No, he's still on earth hanging out, chilling, and just, and that's my version of it, okay? You know, he is chilling on earth, hanging out with his disciples, and uh, he's giving them some final instructions, okay? And uh, 40 days he spends on earth with them. And on day 40, he gives some final instructions, and a part of that final instruction is this. He says, hey, I want you to go. I want you to wait in the city till I send you basically what you need to make a difference in this life and in your world and in your family and everything that you're ever going to face. He says, go and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. So Jesus ascends from the Mount of Olives, and they go and they wait. And they're praying and they're waiting. Ten days go by, and on the day of Pentecost, by the way, Pentecost is just a fancy word for 50. It means 50. That's all it means. And so on day 50, the Holy Spirit came. He came in such power and demonstrated in such a way that even church and unchurched people couldn't figure it out. They're like, what in the world is going on here? And then look at this. This is kind of where this thing verse picks up. It says that the people, the crowd, were both amazed and they were perplexed. They're like, man, this is really exciting, but what in the world is going on? There are some things that are happening right now that I just simply don't understand. And so they ask one another, which many of us have before. It's like, what in the world does this mean? It says, some, however, made fun of him and they criticized him. They said, man, they've just had too much wine to drink. And I just want to time out here for a moment. And I just want you to understand this. You will always criticize. You will always keep at an arm's distance the things that you don't understand. And so I'm going to do what Peter did. And that is Peter stood up and he said to the 11 and the crowd around him, he raised his voice. He addressed the crowd. He said, hey, one life, fellow Jews. And he said, in all of you who live in the Treasure Valley, <laughs> Jerusalem, that's what that means. He says, let me explain this to you. This isn't what you think it is. He said, listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk as you suppose. Now, I know you think they're crazy, and I know you can't understand it, but this is not that. It's only nine in the morning. But then it says, no, this, no, this is that. This is where we get the title of the series. No, this is that. This is the thing that you've been waiting for. This is the thing that you've been wanting. This is the thing that you've been praying for all your life that would change you. But just because it looks a little bit different than what you thought could fit in your mind in between this year and this year, don't reject it. Because this is actually really good if you'll come to understand that this, was spoke, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He begins to quote the Old Testament. You see, what I want you to understand is that many of us, we're making decisions on faith. We're making decisions about the Bible. We're making decisions about Christianity. We're making decisions about our relationship with God based on some misconceptions and things that we simply don't understand. And so this series, and even today, is really all about trying to bring us to a place to talk about some of the hot topics, some of the ideas in the Bible that many of us have some misconceptions around. And my hope is to bring some clarity to it in a way that will help you not only understand, but that you'll also be able to experience in your own life and go, man, I really want that because that makes sense. That's actually good. And in week one, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of us are like, I get God the Father. That makes sense. I kind of understand the Father thing. I get God the Son, okay, because there's movies about Jesus. But what is up with this Holy Spirit thing? I don't get that. I don't like spirits. They're spooky. They scare me, right? And so I'm just telling you, I understand that. I get that. I was at that place at one time in my own life, but when I began to understand truly who the Holy Spirit is and the role he wants to play in my life, it changed everything. 
And I want you to know, if you missed that message, go back two weeks ago, week one. Listen to that message on the Holy Spirit. I believe it has the power to change your life. Now, last week, we talked about a topic that's really close to my heart. For over 27 years, I've been a worship leader. I just can't seem to shake it. I'm still leading worship and pastoring a church. Hey, all you worship leaders out there, if you hear me, if you're listening, come on, man. Come on. I'm, I'm praying you in in Jesus' name. All right? Come on in. Like, like, there's room at the table for you, my brother. But I spoke about praise and worship last week and how it's changed my life and how it can change yours and what God's word says about it. So if you missed that, listen to that. But today, really excited about this. We're going to be talking about a topic. Drum roll, please. Healing. Healing. Yeah, I, I, did, I should have waited. I should have waited. I'm sorry. Y'all are like, I like this. Y'all are participating. This is fun. Y'all, this is a whole lot better than looking into a camera in my upstairs room by myself doing online church. I love having you guys here. Yeah. All right. We're going to be talking about healing. And I want you to understand that all throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God was a miracle-working God. He is a miracle. Oh, man, come on, Rodlow, where are you at? I didn't see you in here, man. I hear your voice, brother. I love you so much, man. I normally don't call people out, but i got to call that brother out. It's so good to hear your voice, man. So Jesus' life was even marked by miracles. And I want to make this statement today to you, church, One Life Family. We believe in a God who not only healed, but who is still in the healing business today. Can I get a good amen? Amen. How do we know this? Because of scriptures like Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do you know what that means? It means if he healed yesterday, he's healing today, and he's healing forevermore. But not only that, look at this. Jesus said it himself in John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you one life, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. What was Jesus doing on the earth? He was opening blind eyes. He was making the deaf to be able to hear. He was taking the lame and allowing them to walk. He was raising the dead. He was setting the oppressed free. This is what Jesus was doing. And Jesus himself said, those who believe in me will do the same thing. But nah, wait a minute, there's more. You'll even do even greater things than these. And if you're like me, it's like, how in the world, God, is that even possible? Look at this, Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Listen, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, the same power that healed the sick, that rose the dead, that took the lame and allowed them to walk, that opened up blind eyes. I'm telling you, that same power, that same spirit lives within you and I today. And that's why we can say, according to Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever ever and ever. And One Life Church said a good. Amen. Come on, you can put your hands together for that truth right now in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good. It's good. Church is more fun when you participate, everybody. You know, I grew up thinking church should be endured, but it actually is the opposite. It should be enjoyed. It really should. So we're going to have some fun today, but we're also going to get a little serious. Listen, we believe in a God who does miracles, but I just want to take a moment and I want to speak to the elephant that's in the room right now. And all the kids are like, there's an elephant in the room? <laughs> how many of you, now you don't have to show by raise of hands, but just play along with me. But how many of you have actually prayed for someone to be healed 
and for a miracle to take place, but like it didn't actually happen. Like you believe God could, you, you, know he, you know he can, but you prayed and it didn't happen. I believe that would be 100% of every one of us in this room at some point. And here's the problem. See, when this happens, a lot of us tend to swing to the side of, well, God's not real. God's not good. God doesn't care. And we tend to come up with these conclusions that are misconceptions and not the truth. And we begin to ask ourselves things like, God, why didn't you heal my daughter? Why didn't you heal my son? I prayed. I believed. Why didn't you heal my father from cancer? Why didn't you heal my mom, whatever the situation might be? It's like, why? Why? And we ask this. And see, when we believe God can, we know that he has, but he doesn't necessarily do it in the way that we think he should do it. Here's the question. Like, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we reconcile that? So today... I want to answer some of these questions, but at the same time, I want to try to build your faith in what God's word says about healing and his truth in this. So I'm going to build this message around a foundational thought that may be obvious to you in the real world, but it might not necessarily be obvious to you in scripture. And that's because as a church, most of us always talk about the highlight reels, about what God can do and about when he does do it. But there are sometimes. And here's the thought that I need you to embrace today is that our God does heal. Yes, he does. Amen. But he doesn't heal everyone all the time. He doesn't heal everyone all the time. Now, we know this is true because I just asked you the question, how many of you ever prayed for somebody, believed that God would heal them, and, and nothing happened the way that you thought it should? Like, we get that, but a lot of times we don't think about the truth that this is actually in Scripture. Like, there's actually men and women of God who serve God faithfully who actually got sick and never got healed. Let me show it to you. I'm going to give you three examples really quick. The first was a guy by the name of Trophimus. He was Paul's friend. He accommodated Paul on a missionary journey. And we see right here, it says, whenever Trophimus got sick, it said, God apparently didn't heal him. Look, 2 Timothy 4.20 Paul writes this letter. He said, now, Erastus, what are these names, man? I'm telling you what. I'm so thankful. <laughs> Erastus stayed in Corinth. And look at this, what Paul did. He said, I left Trophimus sick in Miltus. So not only did God not heal him, but obviously Paul said, you know what? I got to continue this journey on without my brother T. I got to go on. Now, could God have healed Trophimus? Absolutely. But for whatever reason, God didn't. Let me show you another Example. A second example is from a guy named Timothy. He was actually Paul's protege. And apparently, Timothy had some stomach issues. And look at what Paul told his young protege in 1 Timothy 5.23. He said, hey, Timothy, I don't want you to drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine. And some of you are like, man, that's my life verse right there, man. I am glad I came to church today. Yes, Lord. That's not what this message is about, Okay. But look at what he says. He's saying, hey, you ought to do some things in the natural to take care of what's happening in your stomach because you are sick so often. Now, God could have healed Timothy. This is like Paul's right-hand man. But for whatever reason, God chose not to heal Timothy. And Paul's just saying, hey, listen, use whatever you can in the natural. Use the medicine that is available in your culture today to take care of some things. And here's the third example, and it comes from Paul's life. Paul's life. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul said, I was given a thorn 
in my flesh. Now, we don't know what it is. Scholars speculate it could be temptation. It could be eyesight. It could be so many different things. Paul doesn't tell us. Scripture doesn't tell us. But what we know, there's something in Paul's life that he can't get healed from. And look at this. It says that he pleaded. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, God, take this away from me. And passionately pleaded to God, God, heal me of this. Take this away. But God said, no. No, I'm going to choose not to heal you. I know I could, but I'm not. Why? Because I want to show you. Look at this. He said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So when we believe God can, we know he has, and we believe he will. We ask him for healing, but he doesn't bring about the miracle that we're believing and hoping for, and it didn't look the way that we thought it should look. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we reconcile? I believe a part of answering this question is just establishing one more fact. And to help us with that is to answer the question is, well, why, if God could heal, if Jesus could heal, why, why didn't Jesus sometimes do miracles of healing? We don't really talk about this in the church that often, but I think it's so important and will help our understanding of this topic. So why did Jesus often not do miracles? Number one, look at this. Jesus refused to do miracles to prove himself. He refused to do miracles to prove himself. Now listen, I don't know if y'all have ever done this, but as a kid, I was really good at this. God, if you'll just do this one thing, man. I mean, if you'll let me date this girl. I mean, I promise you, God, if you'll let me date this girl and get married to her, oh, Lord Jesus, I'll serve you forever. Come on, students, kids, where you at? I mean, don't leave me alone up here, guys. I know, what you're, I know you've done this. And I just want you to know we do this, but I just want you to understand God doesn't play this game. God refuses to do miracles to try to prove himself. He didn't play like this, look like that. Look at this, Mark 8, 11 through 12. This is the religious people of the day, the Pharisees. They came and they began to question Jesus. Now, what was the motive of their heart? Look at this. They were trying to test him. So what do they do? They said, God, will you do something to prove yourself? Show us a sign from heaven. Then notice what Jesus did. <sighs> really, guys? He sighed deeply. He's like, guys, I, I'm not going to do tricks for you. I don't play like that. I don't have to prove myself. And look, he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Why does this generation ask for a miracle? Truly, I tell you that no sign, no miracle will be given to it. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, guys, I don't do miracles to try to prove myself. I do miracles that align with the heart of God. Number two, secondly, why did Jesus not do miracles? Well, Jesus never did miracles that interfered with God's ultimate plan. Jesus never did a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. And this is important to understand. I want to show you two examples here from a story. It's a story in the Bible that I'm going to teach you here this morning. I know many of you have probably heard it, where in one moment, Jesus does a miracle, amazing healing. But the next, very next moment, he could have done a healing, but he withheld it because it would have interfered with God's plan. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was betrayed by one of those who were closest to him. His name was Judas. He was a disciple. So Jesus and the other disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a, one of Jesus' favorite places to pray. They were praying. Judas comes with Roman guards. Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek because it was really dark, and that was a sign to the Roman guards who Jesus was so they could arrest that man. 
And so as they begin to put handcuffs and chains on Jesus, Peter, one of the other disciples, who's about probably one of my favorite disciples, he's like, never, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. He grabs his sword, and from what I can tell in Scripture, it looks like he tries to cut the Roman guard's head off, but he misses, and he slices the Roman guard's ear off. Nobody knows what happens to the ear, but Jesus said, Peter, he's like, I've got this. There's no need for violence. So he puts his hand on the guard's ear, and he says, in my name. Yo, that's kind of a Christian joke, because we pray in Jesus' name. And Jesus is saying, in my name, heal him. He heals the guard. In that moment, he heals the guard. A miracle happens. But in the very next moment, he has a teaching moment with Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, I've got this. There's no need for violence here. In fact, don't you realize, look at this, Matthew 26, 53 through 54. He said, Peter, don't you realize I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us. I could ask for a miracle right now, Jesus said. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? In one moment, a miracle. In the next moment, Jesus withholds a miracle that he could have done. However, it would have interfered with God's ultimate plan. So when did Jesus not do a miracle? Well, he didn't do it to prove himself. He didn't do it when it ever it would interfere with God's plan. And here's number three. Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. The Bible teaches us that Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Why would he say that? Because in Jesus' own hometown, they were like, you know, this is Jesus. He's a carpenter's son. I mean, isn't that the goody two-shoes that we grew up with in high school who got all the A's, never did anything wrong in class? I mean, like, he was a teacher's pet. Right? That's Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who does he think he is, man? I mean, come on. Now, why did they do that? It was because of familiarity. They grew up with him. And the Bible tells us because of this, they said, he didn't do many miracles there. Matthew 13, 58. He didn't do many miracles. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Everybody say faith. Hey, kids, say faith. Faith, their lack of faith. I need you to understand something today, you guys. I need you to understand this. Our faith moves the heart of God. Our faith matters to God. Our faith is important. Our faith touches the heart of God. It's our faith that initiates the power and the presence of God for miracles. I'm going to give you three examples There was a woman who had an issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years. She was in incredible pain. She was embarrassed. And actually, she was even marked as unceremonially clean. But she catches word that Jesus is about to pass by. So she's sitting on the outskirts. There's this huge crowd gathered around Jesus. So she thinks to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. And as she presses through, through the crowd, through the feet of everybody else, and she touches the hem of Jesus, the power of God leaves Christ, goes into her body, and she's miraculously healed. So much so that Jesus said, who in the world touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, you're crazy, man. You see all these hundreds of people around you, and you're asking who touched you. And he said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me with faith like never before. I felt power leave me. Who touched my heart? That's what he's saying. And the woman overhearing Jesus came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, it was me. And look at what Jesus said, Mark 5, 34. He said to her daughter, 
Everybody say this out loud. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. There was a man with leprosy one time that came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Then he began to worship Jesus. And Jesus turned to the man and look at what Jesus said in Luke 17, 19. He said, my friend, rise. Rise and go. Your, say it out loud, your faith has made you well. There was a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus. He sat around the corner begging for money all the time. Jesus was coming by. Bartimaeus heard that Christ was coming by. Blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He couldn't see, but he could hear. And he knew somehow by faith, if I could just get Jesus' attention, if I could just have enough passion and enough persistence and just ask him to heal me, I believe that he would heal me. He gets Jesus' attention. And look at what Jesus did, Mark 10, 52. He said, my friend, go. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. There's only one thing throughout every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that amazes Jesus. One thing. It's our faith. And sometimes it's like, woo! Jesus is like, man, this is amazing. But then other times Jesus is like, whoa. Like, really? Like, you don't believe that I could actually do that? So there's two extremes that we see. One is in Matthew 8, a centurion guard who has a servant who is incredibly sick and who is dying, comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you'll just say the word, like I'm unworthy to have you even come to my house. I'm unworthy for you even to walk in my direction. I'm actually unworthy to have this conversation, but Jesus, I'm a man under authority like you are. And if you'll just speak the word, I know that my servant will be made well. And you know what Jesus said? Woo, this is amazing. I've never seen faith like this. It's what amazed Jesus. Then go to the other extreme when Jesus was in his hometown. Jesus is like, oh, man, I'm amazed that, that you, you don't really believe that I can, I can do this. So I'm just curious, everyone. When it comes to faith, what side of amazed are you on with Jesus? Is Jesus like, oh, my goodness, One Life Church is amazing. Man, your faith. Or is it more like, oh, wow. I mean, is that all that you, I mean, you don't really think I can do that in your life? So think about your prayer life. Think about your prayers this past week. I'm speaking to myself. I mean, were they powerful? Were they big? We're like, God, I'm believing you to help us get debt free. I'm believing that my marriage is going to be healed. I'm believing that my son and the relationship I have with him is going to be restored. Or is it, oh, God, thank you for my food. Amen. Think about that for a second. Think about it. Here's the good news. You ready for this? The good news is that regardless of how big or how small your faith is, faith moves God. It moves God. And Jesus encouraged us in this verse out of Matthew 17, 20. He said it this way. He said, hey, guys, I'm telling you the truth. If you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, doesn't matter if it's big, doesn't matter if it's small, if you even have the smallest amount of faith, you could say to whatever seems impossible in your life, you could say to this mountain, move. And guess what? It moved from here to there. Jesus says, nothing would be impossible. And I just want you to understand today that God loves you and I enough to work with any amount of faith that we can offer him. And that is good news, everyone. And there's a story in the Bible that tells me this. There was a man 
who was in agony. He was in so much pain that his son was being tortured by a demon and being thrown into the fire. And this man was so desperate, he heard that Jesus could heal, but he didn't want to get his hopes up. He had hope, but he was like, I don't know if I want to get my hopes up too soon. I mean, I think he can. I know I can. I know he did in other places, but I'm not sure if he'll do this for my son. And look at what he says to Jesus in Mark 9, 22 through 24. He says, Jesus, but if, if you can do anything, like, Jesus, if you care, will you, will you take pity on us? Will you help us? And Jesus said, um, what do you mean, if you can? Like, and he, Jesus said, listen, my friend, everything is possible for one who believes. Listen, the Father says something here that captures where I believe that so many of us live. And he says this. Look at this. The boy's father exclaimed, Jesus, I do believe, but I'm still human. I'm still human. Will you please help me overcome my unbelief? Easter weekend of 2013, my wife and I received some news in our life from our family that wrecked us. We got a call from her parents who were then at the time living in Dallas, Texas, and they said, hey, dad's been diagnosed with cancer and he's been given three months to live. Get your affairs in order. What do you do? What do we do? Here we are. We know God can. We know that he has, but Willie, I'm a human, God. Help me. I mean, I've never seen you really heal cancer in anybody in my life, but God, we're, we're going to believe what your word says, and we're just going to stand on this. And so we got our faith together, and we began to pray and unite, and the body of Christ around the world and relationships that we're with began to pray. Check this out. Six months later, do a report, do a scan. Praise God Every bit of cancer is gone. He is healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Yeah, that's a great place to put your hands together, by the way. It's okay. Yeah. So we see God do a miracle. It's amazing. We rejoiced. But I wish the story stopped there. Six months later, go by, takes another test just to do a scan. I know it's just routine. Every bit of cancer is back and even more. Y'all, we had scanned results showing it was gone, and now it's back. It's like, what? Really, God? What do we do? Like, so we pray. We asked God. He healed him one time. He'll heal him again. He was given three months to live, and by the grace of God, he lived another two years that we were able to enjoy with him. They moved to Alabama and moved in with us. And it was amazing two years before Jesus ultimately healed him in a way that wasn't an earthly perspective, but that was an eternal perspective. It wasn't how we thought it should have been done. It wasn't how we think it should have been done. But God, and so many people have asked us like, well, Pastor Red, like, didn't that shake you? Didn't that rock you? Didn't that unsettle you? Like, how do you come back from that? Do you still believe God is real? And like, where are you on all this? And I'll say, listen, no, it has not shaked our faith one moment because my faith isn't based on what God does. My faith, our faith, our family's faith is based on who God is. It's based on who God is. Even though I grieve, even though we grieve, even though we don't understand life and this whole thing called earth and what God's doing, 
doesn't change the fact that I know God has something in mind that is far greater than what that I can comprehend in my earthly mind. And I know this because of a verse that I'm sharing it out is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says, for my thoughts, this is God saying, hey, one life, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is why my faith isn't based on a moment. This is why my faith isn't based on what God does, but it's based on who God is. I'm going to mess with some of your theology for a second, okay? And I don't mean to, but you have a right to be wrong. (laughs) Just kidding. It's a joke. Jesus' ultimate purpose wasn't to heal our bodies. Now, does he heal our body? Absolutely. Can he heal our body? Absolutely. Does his words? Yes, we believe it. But his ultimate purpose in life was not just to heal our bodies, but to save our souls. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. And hey, guys, I got a spoiler alert. You ready for this? If God heals you from cancer, if God heals you from whatever it is, you ready for this? You're still going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church today, everybody? Well, what if the rapture happens and I go fly out to meet Jesus in the air? Yeah, you know what? It's going to happen, but it might not happen in your lifetime. But if it does, praise God. But if it doesn't, you're still going to die. Well, you know, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, but guess what? Lazarus died again and Jesus wasn't there. So the second time. We still die, everybody. I'm not trying to be funny, but I am trying to drive home a point is that Jesus' highest purpose, although it can be a healed body, his highest purpose isn't healing our bodies. It's that our life would glorify him. It's that our lives would be saved. So when I pray, I'm going to pray with all the faith I have, whether it's great, whether it's small. I'm going to bring my imperfect faith before my God, and I'm going to believe that he can, and I'm going to believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't do what I think he should do, how he should do it, I still believe. I still believe. Because my faith isn't based on what God does. My faith is based on who God is. Who is God? He's a loving, kind, compassionate, heavenly Father who gave you his best through his son Jesus so that you could live life and experience eternal life. And that is, my friends, the greatest miracle of all is that we could come into a relationship with God through his son Jesus. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll be here just another five minutes. If you're here today, and I just want to state this, if you're here today and you believe in God for a miracle in your life, whatever that might be, I want you to know that my wife Linda and I are going to be available right here after the end of this service and we'll be down front. It would be our honor to lay hands on you or to pray for you in a very safe way. You're comfortable with that, and we'll believe God's word and pray that promise over you. But if you're here today and you want to experience the greatest miracle of all, and you're saying, Red, I'm far from God. I don't have a relationship with God. If that's the greatest miracle, that when I die, that I'd spend eternity in heaven with God who loves me, I want that. Like, if that's you here today, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But it would be my honor to pray for you. 
So whoever you are, wherever you are, if you say, you know what, today is the day. Now is the time. I want to give my heart to Christ. Maybe you're a Christian and you did at one time, but you've walked away. But you're saying, you know what, today is the day that I realign my life with Jesus. And by the way, that's salvation. It's not going to church. It's not doing good things. No, it's basically where you realign your life and put God at the top of that list. So if that's you and you would like to do that, I'd be honored to pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just with a show of hands, would you let me know who that might be so that I know I can pray with you right now in this moment? If you say, you know what, Rhett, that's me. I want to give my heart to Christ. Just raise your hand. This is an incredible moment. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Whether you raise your hand or didn't, it doesn't matter. It's about a heart that connects with God. Would you say a prayer like this? Say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died. I believe you rose again to pay for my sin and to give me eternal life. Forgive me, change me, come live inside of me. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I put my hope and trust in you today. I give you my life, I give you everything. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. amen. Hey listen, if you, put, if you raise your hand, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we're so excited for you. Way to go, One Life Church family. Let's put our hands together today and let's celebrate. Yeah. Amen.